Hello, podcast listeners. This is Teresa McBean here at the podcast studio at North Star Community, otherwise called Scott's Office. And this is Scott, and I am also in Scott's office. We are a well-oiled podcasting machine. That's right. And we are here to talk about your message that you gave on September 7th. Yep, which is now like three-ish weeks ago. We're a well-oiled podcast recording machine, except you were on vacation for like eight months, so we're, uh, we have some catching up to do. Let's I say. am neither sorry nor apologizing for my two-and-a-half-week vacation. You um, should not be sorry, nor should you apologize. And, uh, however, I did, it does look like, since I stole your laptop and am looking at your notes, that I missed a really good message. So I'm so excited we podcast, so I can not be deficit in hearing what you have to say. So I'm really looking forward to this. <clears throat> Um, yeah, I actually felt good about it. I, I actually felt, I, I, uh, the, la- the past number of years, it's felt like it's been quite a while since I gave a message that I really felt good about. And I think, I, I don't know how other, how other people have felt about September 2019, but I have really felt like I've been on my game. What? Yep. I've been listening to you telling me you were in a slump since the 80s. Yep, since just about. before you were born. Yep. Well, I'm excited to hear what you had to say about this. Uh, it's, uh, uh, a message that, um, gets me from the get-go because it looks like you're going to have a conversation about why people protect bad leaders. Um, yes and no. At least Uh, you're going to start off that way. Yeah. It, it, um, it's kind of a meandering message. It kind of meanders on purpose. Um, so... Um, no, in the sense that the message is not at all about protecting bad leaders, but I think it's about, I have, I have had, uh, um, a few stories about, um, Christian leaders gone wrong that have stuck in my mind for quite a while Yeah, that, um, sparked other thoughts. Okay. So to back, yeah, to back the train up a little bit, um, the week before this, uh, which I'm sure you don't even remember now. You you spoke about the fact that one one of your um, central points was this idea that um, acknowledging harm was um, I don't know if you said it was the first step in um, the pathway to wisdom, but you at least presented it like it was a a crucial step. Looking inside, um, being truthful about who we are, which I I think was sort of an extension of the this message series that we did on First John, where we talked about the fact that. God's um, not as interested in you being good as he is about you being uh, honest about yourself and your need for him. Right. Um, So I don't know why I'm doing all of that necessarily, but just trying to refresh you on that message, I guess. And I assume we recorded it last week, although I can't remember. We did. It was the infamous precious ring. Oh, yes. Right? Story where I found the ring on vacation. It was really sparkly, and I wanted to keep it and hope it was really expensive. Right, right, right. Turns out it was really cheap, but I still wanted to keep it and having to acknowledge that. Yeah, so you would have heard that one uh, last week. And um, in theory, listener, you the listener. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I've been thinking about this idea that acknowledging harm is the pathway to wisdom, and, and I think uh, sort of the, the genesis of, the, of this message for me was what are some other things that go into 
uh, becoming a wise person. And um, so that led me to think about who do I uh, think of as being not very wise people and what are they lacking? And, um, you know, I don't know. I'm sure that my sharing my own thought processes are really boring for people, but um, that all led me to think about these stories. Oh, oh, and then I had... I had something else happen that week that uh, that got me on this path again, but we'll come back to that in a few minutes. Well, don't forget to come back to it because it sounds like it's something you did that was really bad. And you know um, I love those stories. <laughs> no, it wasn't me doing something really bad this time. It was I'm somebody else so doing something really bad. Disappointed. And it, it, okay. it's in the notes here. But, as uh, long as somebody is doing something bad, I'm, I'm I can you're hang all, with you. You're, I'm you're on board. in on it. Yeah. Uh, or you're here for it. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I started thinking about these stories of like, um, how is it that Christian leaders, when wisdom is such an important part of faith, like are often going so wrong, and how is it that uh, the leaders below the leader are protecting people who are getting wisdom so wrong, and um. So I guess, you know, is the expression that really sticks in my craw, you know? Yeah. Um, so I was thinking, you know, of a particular person that, that we know and, and even I would say are friends with and um, how he really, really uh, had some major love fails, let's say. Okay. Really let his community down, um, caused a lot of harm, um, and kind of uh, an entire congregation blew up as a result of his own lack of wisdom. Yeah. And yet all along that, all along the path, people were following him. People were protecting him. Uh, People were making sure that he wasn't going to experience the consequences of his actions, all of which are things that are uh, completely the opposite of what we've been talking about, the opposite of 1 John, the opposite of wisdom. Even at the expense of people in their whole family who were harmed. Right. I found that whole storytelling process frightening and shocking. Yeah, so I, you know, I kind of made a joke about it in the service about um, how much I, how much I judged the people who who let these things happen. Yeah. And the reason I made a joke about it is because I was saying my judgment is is sort of a me problem. It's one of the things that I need to confront about myself, but. Uh, we moved off of that. Uh, we eventually moved off of that because I felt, um, you know, I felt a little bit convicted by the the passages, uh, the the verses that I read. And um, anyway, so uh, this was from Hebrews. Keep loving each other like family. Don't neglect to open up your homes to guests, because by doing this, some have been host to angels without knowing it. Remember prisoners as if you were in prison with them, and people who are mistreated as if you were in their place. Your way of life should be free from the love of money, and you should be content with what you have. After all, he has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Remember your leaders who spoke God's word to you. Imitate their faith as you consider the way their lives turned out. And it's that last verse, I think, in particular that stood out to me when thinking about... um, that particular community. Remember your leaders who spoke God's word to you. Imitate their faith as you consider the way their lives turned out. Tell me more about why that particular line really hits you between the eyes. 
Well, it is, um, you know, one of the things I guess that's become so important to me, and I think um, probably should be important in any faith community, is the idea of imitation. Right. And this is something that 12-step communities get really right with sponsors and sponsees, right? Like follow the person who's tread the path before you. And follow the person whose uh, current life looks like a life that you really want. Right. And so I think, so there's a couple things going on in the passage because I think the, the verses before this are essentially about um, having empathy and so, you know, I had started this thought process about these stories before I was even thinking about the message, you know, when I was just thinking about these stories as stories, you know, I'm right. thinking about them from a place of judgment and the people that I judge and right. yada, yada, yada. And so I'm reading these verses and remembering that I'm called uh, to be empathetic to those who are mistreated as if I was in their place. But then also I see this call to imitate leaders and I think, man, it, it's so easy for bad leaders to take advantage of that. Yeah. And it would be so easy to be a person who looked at a leader whose life appeared to be together and to say, that's the person I want to be, therefore that's the person I'm going to follow. That's the person I'm going to imitate. And then all of a sudden, you know, you 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 are committed, you know, you if you walk down that path for a number of years, you've committed, you've hitched your wagon to that person. Right. Right. And you've spent your life like thinking like, that's the person that I want to be like. That's the person I want to imitate. My very uh, faithfulness is somewhat at stake in my ability to follow and imitate this person because I'm supposed to follow and imitate my leaders. Right. And so right. you get to a point where you're so invested in trying to live out of your own way of seeing uh, by being in close proximity to this person that it makes total sense why you would end up protecting them, why you would not believe people who were saying that this person did bad things. And, and yeah, your judgment is clouded. Um, right. And that doesn't make you a bad person. Right. It just means that life is complicated. And it means that we should be really careful who we're hitching our wagon to. Right. Right. But like when you're really in the thick of it, I found some empathy for people who just got in too deep. Well, so, yeah, I see that in the religious uh, world, in the church world, but I also see it in the family, in family life. So when you hitch your wagon to your parental units, because your very survival depends on it, Right. Even as intimate as the family system, sometimes we have trouble in that exact same way when we come across the fact that we have a parental unit who has done wrong. For some people, that hitched wagon is really hard to unhitch for a lot of reasons. Um, but I think all of which deserve our empathy. So as a, as a counterpoint to that, um, you know, I was thinking about the important uh, role imitation has played in my own life. And I can remember um, right before I was about to become a father, uh, one of my friends became a father, and I remember him, uh, you know, his wife was a photographer, and she was out of the house for a weekend photographing a wedding. And uh, we had a, a party, I'm pretty sure it was New Year's Eve, we had a, a handful of friends over, and he brought his little girl and I don't know what I thought it was going to look mean or what it was going to look like to be a father because, 
at some point when, you know, we had a long journey towards parenthood and it was difficult. And so eventually you kind of just stop even thinking that you're going to become a parent and you're just like, you know, you, you, you're thinking about becoming pregnant, you know, and that's right. what all of your, your thoughts are towards. And then you're, you're in the adoption process and all you're thinking about is the process and the paperwork right. and all of this kind of stuff. And I hadn't really thought about the actual act of parenting too much. And I saw him um, bring his daughter in and I saw him take care of her and feed her. She was little. I think she's like six months older than Nora, maybe. So this would have been about a month before Nora was born. So she would have been like five months right. old, maybe something like that. Um, and I just remember thinking... I remember being a little overwhelmed because I thought I could see up close, like, how much went into it. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I saw how much he was doing and what a good job he was doing. And I was like, it occurred to me that, like, that was the kind of dad that I wanted to be to a baby. Right. You know, because, like, I have a wonderful father. Yep. And I've always wanted to be a dad in the same way that he's a dad. But I never got to see him with a baby. You know what I mean? Like I, my brother was a baby at one point and I was five and I just wasn't paying Paying attention attention. or caring. Right. Um, other than I'm sure it would have bothered me a whole lot if you guys were doing a bad job, but, uh, uh, that wasn't the case. And, um, so I was seeing what it looked like to be a good dad to a young baby for the first time Mm -hmm. up close. Right. No offense to any of my other friends uh, who have been in that situation. I wasn't paying attention. But, um, I, you know, that moment was kind of powerful. Like, this is what I need to imitate. This is what I need to follow. Right. You know, and what I told the crowd was, um, I didn't know it, but that was an act of wisdom. And it, it wasn't because I'm a wise person. It was because, like, I got lucky and I happened to have a friend who's a good dad. And I just stumbled into it. Right. And so, like, in retrospect, I can look back and say, that's what wisdom should be. Uh, although it should be more intentional than I was. <laughs> right. Um, I got lucky to have somebody who just happened to be close by to show me the way. Um, But that was kind of one of the things that I was saying in relation to these stories, in relation to the ideas of wisdom, in relation to the ideas of imitation is like, you know, we shouldn't be living lives as faithful people where we're stumbling ass backwards into who to imitate. We should be consciously uh, choosing leaders whose lives are turning out the way we want our lives to to turn out, not lives that appear to be going well. Uh, but lo- but lives who you can see up close, who you can see personally. And I'm not talking about leaders as in like the leaders of a faith community. Anybody can be a leader, right? right? I mean, a leader is anybody who can show you the way, who can show you how to pursue your own certain way of seeing. Right. And so this story for me was like, this wasn't a person who's one of my faith leaders necessarily, but he was showing me the way. He was showing me how I could pursue my own certain way of seeing. And I only know that after the fact, but, you know, I was suggesting that for myself, I'm going to be trying to be more intentional about that uh, in my life. Well, and it requires, so I love like up here when it was talking about in the verse, I think this is Hebrews, right? That you were in. Yep. 
keep loving each other like family and don't neglect to open your home to guests because by doing so, some have been host to angels without knowing it. I, I think that uh, an implicit truth here that is important for me is in order to know that, you've kind of got to hang with people in environments where you see who they really are, right? Yeah. Um, and the problem with leaders is if they insulate themselves and they don't let you into the experience of their real life, which is personally why I have a beef against really big churches, right? Because I don't know how every person in the community really gets to know their leader personally. And I think that is how churches can really get in trouble. Because um, if you if you believe that, that leaders should be embedded and it should be um, mutual learning from one another, not putting people's faces up on big, big uh, signage out on the street, right, then um, I think you really get a sense of who you're following. Yeah, that's true. Although, you know, for our purposes, um, I was trying to maybe get us to think about things more up close and personal. And maybe what we would say is that choose leaders whose lives you know. Well, that was just what I was trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah, I guess my point was that, um, there's lots to get worked up about, uh, about big churches, but, you know, maybe the, maybe the lesson is don't think about somebody who's up front of something, you know, who's right. up in front of something as being a leader, but instead think about it much more broadly. Think about it as in a person who is showing you the way. Right. Um, well, when I think about that, I think about my brother who, one of my brothers who intentionally talked it out. I know what he was thinking in terms of many of his career choices, you know, and he, he talked about the fact that his career choices uh, were somewhat limited because of his parameters for the kind of father he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And I really admire him, and um, I think he's done a great job, and it hasn't been without cost in other areas to him. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, boy, uh, he's a guy that's really worth following because he's extremely congruent in following through on what he believes. Yeah, and I think that's really the key. I mean— you know, I think part of the problem that we have with imitation, with this idea of imitation in faith communities, is we haven't, um, we haven't really been taught well in the, as you were saying just a minute ago, in the day and age of the megachurch, we haven't been taught how to be discerning about what kind of life we should be looking for, right? Right, and I'm, and I, and I am not slamming the big church because big church does a lot of good things. But just to be really clear about what I'm saying, uh, big church has a lot of inherent dangers if you're thinking you're going to imitate the person that's on the billboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I think that in general, we have not been given really helpful ways to think about what kind of life we should be pursuing as faithful people. And I, I had another example of this that came up in the message of 
you know, I had met with somebody the week before this message who had used to be, according to him, a famous musician. I didn't know who he was, but I don't know who most musicians are. So, um, you know, whatever. I was just going based on what he said, which I'm happy to do. And he talked about how big his house was and how much money he used to have. And then um, how he gave it all up when he became a person of faith. And then he became a big-time pastor. And then he made a bunch of money as, as a pastor and got, what? An, got an even bigger house. And He made a bunch of money? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's just, you know, as he was talking, I was thinking... Like, that isn't really the kind of life, you know, the kind of life you're describing with your brother of, you know, I'm going to choose a path that allows me to be really present for my kids and all the things that they're going to do. That strikes me as being a very faithful life. Um, The kind of life, you know, it sounded like I gave up all this money to be a person of faith and that was going to be a big sacrifice, but hooray, miracle upon miracles. It wasn't. I made a lot of money pastoring too. And which is whatever people have different ways of seeing. Right. And so I, that's not particularly my way of seeing. It's not who I would be interested in imitating, but I was sort of happy to leave it there. Yeah. But then as he was, as we were wrapping up, he wanted to pray for me that I would reach more people and make more money. So he he asked to pray. And I thought he meant, because he came in to talk to me about his struggles. Right. I thought he was asking me to pray for him. Right. Which I was happy to do. That, that happens from time to time. And so we bowed our heads and he started praying for me that I would reach more people and make more money. How'd you feel about that? Well, you know... I irritated. Yeah. I mean, I, I because I thought you've just described to me the ways in which your life is not something, not the kind of life that I want to live, you know, and it not because of the money or, or, you know, there were many other things that we talked about beyond the money that were, uh, how should we say this in the, in a really respectful way? Look, it's just not things I wanted to imitate, you know, right. and that's fine. I don't judge him. There's plenty of things that I do that other people wouldn't want to imitate either. Agreed. And I too would totally m- agree. Right. <laughs> I too would meet with people and talk about them in secret. And we're not going to be confused. I'm not saying he's a bad person. I'm not saying that God doesn't love him. I'm just saying if I'm picking somebody to follow, this isn't it. Right. And so I, I, I was primarily irritated because I didn't want that prayer. You know, I don't want somebody asking God for that for me because I don't want it for me. Right. Um, not that God's going to be confused, but, you know, I just... <laughs> I just Wait a minute. I just had this image <laughs> of God answering that prayer and accidentally bringing a lot of people to North Star Community and people throwing money at you. <laughs> mm-hmm. That would be funny. It would be. and And then what would you do with that? Would you say... Why, of all the prayers I've prayed, why did this guy's prayer get answered? Yeah, I don't know. That, I'm having a moment of humor, but yeah, it's just it's a, well, your moment of humor is like making me feel anxious. <laughs> well, don't worry about it. I don't think it's going to get answered, but you well, know, you know, I I think sometimes when people tell stories like this about themselves, it's like a way of saying I secretly want this thing, but I'm going to say that I don't, so I look humble. The reality is. If you don't if you don't know the Enneagram, then you can just like fast forward thirty seconds. I'm a five on the Enneagram. Yeah. 
I don't want to be famous. There's and not, a, and you don't want big crowds either. Don't want big crowds, and you don't want more money. I, you know, I, I, there is a study that shows that as long as your day to day needs are met, and you can meet your obligations, then additional money doesn't make you any more happy. And I believe that. I am completely content. So uh, let me just stop here and say, if you don't know the Enneagram and you don't know what it means when he says a five, uh, this is the quintessential example of a five who loves the quest for knowledge. So since he's been told that if he makes more money than what covers his basic needs, that he's going to be less content, he is willing to philosophically choose a lifestyle that makes sure he doesn't exceed that limitation. That's well, what a five would do. <laughs> we, yeah. Well, the study just shows that you you don't increase your happiness at all. Right. 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 And so I be, so I think what's very what's fiveish about me is I believe that. Yeah. Right. I'm not like oh that won't be true for me. I need more. I'm like nope. I'm good. Like we've got our needs met. We are good. I don't want to be famous. I told a story about how that week I was at the gym and somebody recognized me from a coffee shop I go to. Uh, at the gym and came up and wanted to introduce themselves and start a conversation. And to me, that was just like... Horrible. I'm not here for this. I'm here to work out and get out of here and get back to where I need to be. I'm not here to talk about the fact that we go to the same coffee shop from time to time. Right. Uh, And so that's me, right? Don't need more people. Don't need more money. Right. And, you know, at the same time, I think... You know, where we get into my insecurity is, is is like, I don't see myself as being a good man necessarily. Okay. And mm-hmm. people could debate that. Um, I don't see myself, cert- I certainly don't see myself as being a great man, right? And I think that so often we're confusing success with greatness. Yeah. And, or goodness, Right? right, like if somebody has gotten all these followers and all these money, then and all this money as a pastor, then he must be good. And I'm here to tell you that I don't see myself as good, and I don't see myself as great. But I'm pretty sure I've learned a lot more about life and faith from my friend who knows how to take care of his daughter than from the people who I do know who have gotten the money and the following. So can I tell a story about my brother that illustrates this? Yep. So my brother works in an industry uh, and in a company that's very difficult for him to work for because his boss is the antithesis of who he thinks a man should be. And my brother's a personal person of great principle. And in this business, a uh, particular kind of business, and in the city he lives in, there are a lot of immigrants that have that that are hired to work at the lowest end of this job of, of the job chain in this industry. My brother has sponsored so many immigrants to get them gone down to the immigration office, signed up to be their sponsor, taken that responsibility to heart signed on the dotted line that said he'd be responsible for their uh, being 
good uh, guest in our country while they are going through the immigration process. And he's my hero. Yeah. Um, Because in his quiet, unassuming way, he has actually done good in a world where most people are just arguing. Yeah. And uh, he's my hero and I love him. Yeah. Yeah. So to, so, um, to back up, um, and finish the thought that led into that, um, you know, we've gotten imitation wrong. We've gotten wisdom wrong. We've gotten greatness wrong. Um, or at least, um, sometimes we get them wrong, right? Maybe that's a better way of saying it. Sometimes we get these things wrong. And I think that, you know, when somebody prays for me that I'd be great, um, I just think I don't necessarily want that prayer. I want to be decent. Right. I want to be decent in the way that my friend is decent. I want to be a person who knows how to take care of his daughter. Um, I want to be, when I say decent, I don't mean average. I mean respectable, fair, kind, and generous. The things that that your brother is embodying in that story, right? Because most of us aren't going to be great men or women. Right. right. Most of us are not going to have huge followings. Right. Even on Instagram. Right. Um, but we all, no matter who we are, we all have the capacity to be decent. We all have the capacity to be respectable, fair, kind, and generous. But, you know, our ability to be those things is going to be either hampered or supported by who we follow. Yep. And so it's really important um, to be to be thorough in choosing who we imitate. Yeah. You know, to take it seriously, not to stumble backwards into it like I did, but to take it really seriously. And taking it seriously is the work of wisdom. And if we take it seriously, then we're going to imitate. We're going to choose people to follow and choose people to imitate, who are going to increase our ability to be decent. And I, and I think that's what greatness is, is about. Our ability to be decent in this way, the way we're talking about it, is what makes us great humans. And I think that is ultimately what God is, is calling us towards. Yeah, that's a beautiful message. Uh, and I think that, um, I think that the beautiful thing about challenging us to be decent is that you can be decent no matter what your political orientation is, no matter how much money you make, no matter what industry you work in, um, no matter your age, you can be decent. Yep. We can ask our babies to behave decently, and we can continue that challenge through the generations all the way up to old age. And that is inspiring to me. Yeah. Me too. Well, do you have uh, anything you want to recommend this week? I do. Okay. I hope I didn't recommend it last week. <laughs> I'll tell you if you did, because I, I can remember what you did, what you recommended last week. So glad you hold all my memories. <laughs> um. I'm recommending a book called This Is Now okay, by a guy by the name of Augustine Burroughs. Mm. 
every book he writes, he gives it a cool title, which I got to tell you, I envy, and puts a column and then writes a personal memoir. So he's written a bunch of personal memoirs? Yeah, it's just fantastic. There's one sentence in that book that I really loved, and that's why I recommend the book. He, it's, it's my new thing that I'm obsessing over. He says, a person can be honest their whole life without ever being truthful. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, really, I recommend the book for that one sentence. And um, he's a he's a good writer, and he's funny and um, irreverent. And sometimes his stories totally creep me out. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, his lifestyle is not mine. Let's put it that way. <laughs> not one you would imitate. But uh, boy, uh, yeah, I'd recommend it. Okay. Augustine Burroughs, This Is Now. Yeah. Um, I'm going to recommend an app. <gasps> really? Which one? Yeah, Bear, B-E-A-R, Bear. Okay. Uh, it's a writing app. So okay. if you're somebody who writes, but you can use it for more things than that. You can use it for to-do lists. You can get it to sync across... Uh, it's specifically for Mac, so for you PC users, you're not going to be able to use it. But um, Should I be using that rather than Google writing in my Google Drive like I've been doing for my books? Uh, it depends. We can talk about we can talk about the merits and the drawbacks of Bear. Uh, but I like I don't it. want to talk about the merits or the drawbacks. I just want <laughs> you to tell me what app to write in. <laughs> uh, I would say no. I think okay. you're doing things the right way. But I can give you some sure. ideas about what you, I think you would enjoy the process of writing in Bear. And I can give you some ideas of some stuff that you would enjoy writing in. Uh, and okay. I think, I think cool. you'd write more often. Um yeah, it's just my gosh. If I write more often, I'm just gonna die. My hands are gonna well. That's fall that's off. true at the moment, but yeah. you will one day. Life will one day return to normal uh, when you're not writing twelve books. Um, eight eight books. Well, you're okay. Wait, you're only you're not doing all twelve steps. I've already done four of them. Yeah. Well. Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute. But you're also re redoing and re editing. I'm, and... I'm I'm writing ten books. Yeah. Yeah, and but, editing for re-editing four. Right, so you're you're 14. actively you're actively working on <laughs> I'm at least really twelve books. Really upset now that I counted. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> so anyway, Bear app, good writing app. There's a free version where you can do a lot of stuff because I use because uh, I use it for a lot more than writing. I use it as almost like a digital filing cabinet where I store all kinds of stuff. So. I pay for the pro version, but I'm not recommending something that you have to pay for. There is a free version, and it is plenty good. Awesome. I just needed some extra features. So, uh, yeah, did we do it? I think we did it, and I think think that our beloved listeners are now probably hearing music, which I personally think that you put music behind even the most nonsensical nonsense, and it sounds classy. Yep. And we got this music music from Sessions. Yes. And you can find it at sessions.blue. Yep, on the web. Which I find completely confusing. <laughs> yeah, I uh, guess. That's, uh, that's where you can find it. And uh, you might want to use it in your stuff, too. It, you can talk nonsense, put a little music behind it. Everybody and you've got a pro podcast. Yeah, yep. there you go. 
Um, okay, yep, we are North Star Community, found on the web at northstarcommunity.com. If you ever need to send one of us an email, we haven't mentioned this before, it's just our first names, scott at northstarcommunity.com. Uh, for Teresa, it's Teresa at northstarcommunity.com, and that's Teresa with no H. Um, yeah, feeling good? feeling good all right well then we will i gotta sign get off. back to my 14 books though that's right okay <laughs> well we will talk to you next week bye bye